Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter number 1. This is probably the 7th or 8th week in Colossians 1, and we're still not finished with it. I think we got one more, we should have one more uh, in that particular chapter, but we're going to talk about a great, great topic tonight. Uh, Colossians chapter number 1, we stopped in verse 19, uh, so why don't we pick up in verse number 20. We'll read down to verse number 23. Uh, In verse number 20, it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to... Everybody say it. All right, everybody again, all you at Fairview, say it with me. What does he say? To reconcile reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and what? Enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. Uh, Lord, I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be than where I'm at right now with your people, with your word. And uh, Lord, this is such a great topic and a great subject that we're going to be dealing with tonight. I pray that you'll be honored. I pray that you'll be glorified. Lord, I pray that you will bless your children. Bless me. Help me to deliver a word that is understandable. Every person in this room should be able to understand what's being said. And God, I pray that you'll fill my heart and fill my mind. Control me. Uh, Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the honor and the praise for everything that's done. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated out there, Fairview. Uh, We are going to talk about the subject of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Uh, There are so many words that's found in the New Testament that kind of describes or is used for salvation. Uh, So when you say, uh, hey, I got saved, or uh, you need to get saved, right? Uh, What does that mean? I mean, what exactly does that entail? Some people, uh, they think that salvation is basically a ticket to heaven or just an escape from hell. But there there is so much that has happened or that takes place when a person gets saved. And, and, and you find different descriptions or you find different definitions in the Bible. Uh, one of those words that's used for salvation is the word redemption. Say that with me. Redemption. redemption. Now, what does redemption mean? It means a sinner stands as a slave. A sinner stands as a slave before God, but is granted his freedom. He is redeemed. He is bought. He is purchased and given freedom. How many of y'all are glad that we have our freedom? That is redemption. That's happened, that happens at salvation. Uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a term that we use. Uh, uh, we're, what, is, what, are, what are saved people? They are forgiven sinners, right? And what does forgiveness mean? It means the sinner stands before God as a debtor. In other words, he owes a debt. He is a sinner. He has this, uh, uh, rebelled against God, but his debt is when you, when you forgive somebody, you're telling them they no longer owe you. That's what forgiveness means. And when God forgave you, he's saying you no longer owe the debt. If that makes sense, say amen. So when you're saved, you are redeemed, you are forgiven. Another word that's used for salvation is the word adoption. Adoption. What does that mean? A sinner stands before God not as a slave and not as a debtor. But a stand before God as a stranger, a stranger, but is now made a son, is now made a son. I was once an alien. I was once an outcast. I was once a stranger, but now I'm a member of the family. Why? Because I'm saved. Amen. Saved. Adoption, redemption, forgiveness. But the word we want to talk about tonight. The word we want to deal with tonight that describes what took place at the moment of salvation is the word reconciliation. 
reconciliation. All right, that means a sinner stands before God as an enemy. Say that with me, as an enemy, but now as a friend. Now as a friend. Before I was saved, I was an enemy to God. But now that I'm saved, I'm his friend. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I would sure much rather be God's friend than his enemy. And all God's people say it. Amen. Now, here's what we want to do. Let's jump right into the lesson. Uh, we'll look in, in verse number 20. And uh, uh, I trust that you have your lesson in front of you. You can fill it out and, and fill it in as we go along. Verse number 20. The Bible says, and having made everybody, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things in himself by him I say whether they be things in heaven or thing, or excuse me things in earth or things in heaven and you that were sometime alienated and it, that means separated it means withdrawn it means far away and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now yet now he said that's what you were but yet now Hath he reconciled? So here's what I want you to write down. Number one, I want you to write down the meaning of reconciliation. The meaning of reconciliation. Uh, we're going to look at, at several different words here to kind of just describe uh, what exactly is reconciliation. First, I want you to write this down. A, let's look at the what. Let's look at the what. All right. Colossians 1.20 says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things in himself, I say whether they did things in earth or things in heaven. Now, the word reconcile, the Greek word is apokatalasso. It's two words. It's two words. Uh, Katalasso is basically means to reconcile fully or to change the relationship of. Now, the word apo is put there meaning fully. Now, keep in mind, you remember, I have to say this every week. Keep in mind what Paul's doing. He is refuting the false doctrine of the false teachers in Colossae. And they were saying that Jesus was not enough. How many of y'all remember that? Jesus was not sufficient. Jesus was not enough. And what Paul is saying here with this compound word, reconcile means fully reconciled. Completely reconciled, sufficiently reconciled. Say amen. That's, that's what uh, the, the Greek word and the Greek terms mean. Now, watch what Webster's 1828. If you look at Webster's 1828 definition, it means to call back into union and friendship again. Oh, I like that. To call back into union and friendship again. Now, why do you use the word again? Again, reconcile again. Why? Because there was a time that man was in friendship with God. Man was in union with God. Man walked in the cool of the garden, walked in the cool of the day and had fellowship with God and had a relationship with God, was intimate with God. But here came sin. So reconcile means to put back like it originally was. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. Okay, that's, that's the definition of the word. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 5.18. It says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. Now, uh, we, we, we use the word a lot, reconcile, when it comes to relationships. Especially with a, a husband and a wife. You see that in the New Testament. Uh, meaning, meaning this, that they were once... In a bad way, but now they're in a good way. They were once on the outs, but now they're back together again. Does that make sense? So when we see reconciliation, uh, we see that there was a time when man had fellowship, relationship, uh, kinship with God, and something happened, and they uh, they were no longer they were no longer friends, but they were literally enemies. Enemies, if that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, that's the what. That's the what. Now, I want you to write down the why. Look at the why, B. The what is reconciliation means to change the relationship, to call back into union and friendship again. The why. 
Why is that necessary? Why is that necessary? Because in Colossians 1.21 says you were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. How many of y'all know today that God is holy? God does not fellowship with darkness. The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is in us. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And everybody say it. Right? Right? So, so God is separated from sin. We are sinners. There is a divide between us. Now, so we look at this and we see that we were enemies. Enemies. Romans 5.10. Romans 5.10. For if, look at your notes, look at your notes, everybody. Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, enemies, all right, Romans 8.7. Because the carnal mind is in enmity against God, enmity against God. That, that word means hostility. It means opposition. Now, what does that mean? Whether you believe it or not, in your lost state, you were an enemy to God. You were literally hostile to the things of God. Your mind was carnal. It was against the things of God. Why do you think people are acting the fool like they are today in the culture we're living in? Because they're an enemy to God. There is a separation that's there. There is open opposition, open hostility. Now, Romans chapter number 8, verse 20. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 says, For the creature... The creature, and that word can mean creation, was made subject to vanity, futility, emptiness, immorality, uh, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subject the same in hope. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Now, we're going to jump from that verse to show you the who. We saw the, the what. We saw the why. The what is a change in relationship. Call back into union and friendship again. The why is because we became enemies. There was a point that we became enemies to God. If you are lost, you're an enemy to God. God is an enemy to you. There is open hostility between the two. The who. Who needs to be reconciled? Well, beside that, I put the creatures and... The creation. Did y'all catch that? The creatures and the creation. Uh, There is chaos in the creation right now. All right? Now watch. Now watch. Sin destroyed the perfect harmony between the creation and creatures living on it with their what? Creator. Man has been cursed. The animals are cursed. The universe is cursed. We have to live in a world that is under the heavy influence of Satan, the God of this world. But watch this. God plans on reconciling. Come on. God plans on reconciling all things back to himself, which would include man and the universe too. Now, so what do we see? When sin entered into the world, It created chaos. It destroyed the harmony. It created enmity between the creator and the creation. Not just man. And man, I hope you see this. Not just man, but in the earth, the universe, the animal kingdom. Uh, There was a time there was harmony in the animal kingdom. Now everything eats everything. Kills everything, destroys everything. Uh, uh, mankind is at enmity with God. Mankind, there is no peace. There is no harmony. There is chaos everywhere. Look at, did you see the verse where we just read that the earth is travailing? It is groaning. That is in reference to the earthquakes and the, and the, the, the volcanoes and, and all of the, the things in nature that seems to be out of balance. And, and there is chaos in this whole earth. And it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. People think, oh, we're going to have peace. One day we're going to have peace. No, we'll never have peace till the Prince of Peace shows up. 
Why? Because man is cursed. The universe is cursed. This world is cursed. This earth is cursed. But God's going to reconcile it all. He's going to reconcile it all. Even, even the planet. Even the animal kingdom. You say, preacher, you sure? Yep. Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11 describes this event taking place. Watch what's going to happen when God reconciles all things. The wolf also shall dwell with the? The leopard shall lie down with the? The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. Now that can't happen today. There's chaos. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. This is talking about poisonous creatures. They shall not turn, nor excuse me, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 65, 25. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock. The dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. That's in reference to the the millennial reign of Christ upon this earth. There's going to be a change in the animal kingdom. There's going to be a change in the atmosphere. There's going to be a change also also in in the heavenly bodies. Same thing. There's going to be a change with us, with God. He is going to reconcile things back to himself. So let's look at reality. What is the reality of of what the scripture teaches us? When sin entered, it created chaos, not just with the relationship between man and God, but relationship with creation and the creator. Does everybody see that? I mean, it's not, this is not difficult to see in, in the, in the world that we live in. Can we all see that? If, if a, a, a lion is not going to lay down by a lamb, they will tear it to pieces. But when things are reconciled, when things are put back in harmony, when things are back to where they were in Eden, are y'all with me? That's God's plan. Things are terrible right now. They just are. This world's cursed. But God's plan is to reconcile everything back to himself. Right now, they're at enmity, hostility, opposition. God is the enemy. Sin is the enemy. But God did something to fix that. Can we all say amen? Amen. Now, that's the meaning of reconciliation. Now, we know, before we go any further, let's let's just review this just a minute, okay? Reconciliation means to bring back into harmony. It means to bring back into relationship, to call back into union. Basically, to become friends again. To become friends again. I don't know, I don't know if there's a, a more awful feeling than to be out of fellowship with the one you love. And I don't know of a sweeter feeling than to be reconciled and brought back into harmony with who you love. And we are waiting on that point. We are waiting on the, the, the finality of that when Jesus comes back and fixes everything. But right now, I'm glad that God looks at us just as if it's already been done. Amen. Now, number two, number two, number two, we see the means of reconciliation. The means of reconciliation. All right, how did I go from being God's enemy to God's friend? What did it take? What was necessary? All right, verse number, uh, verse number 20. We're going to look at verse number 20 in verse number 22. And having made peace. Now, what, who do you make peace with? Who do you make peace with? Let's not be spiritual. I'm just talking about in general. Who do, who do you have to make peace with? Your enemy. Your enemy, right? That's, that's, that's a warfare term. When you want to discuss conditions of peace, that's talking about warfare, right? Your enemy, uh, we, want to, we want to get along here. Let's, let's, let's fix this. 
And this is what it says. He made peace. If he made peace, then there must have been war. Y'all see this? It's important to see this. He made peace. We were not just on our way to hell. We were just not bad people. We were just not prone to mistake and failure. We were enemies to God. That's why this is so significant. That's why this word is so important. That's why this is, hey, there is so much more that happened at salvation than us just going to heaven. When we see where we truly stood with God, we were enemies. But Christ, he made peace through, verse 20, made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. Well, go back to 21 because it runs into 22. And you that were sometimes alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, watch this, in the body of his flesh through death. death. All right, so write this down. Write this down. The means of reconciliation. We see A, a required sacrifice. What did it take to be reconciled? A required sacrifice. Under your notes, let's read that first line. First three words. Say it with me. God is holy. Say it with me. Most, most modern religious groups wants to emphasize God's love. In God's grace, in God's mercy. And I'm all about all three of them. And I am sure thankful for all of them. But when you forget to talk about and include and teach about God's holiness, you get things out of balance. Because when you overemphasize grace, you think you can get away with stuff. But when you understand he's not only loving, but he's holy. And the holiness of God demands justice when it comes to sin. And because of His holiness, He will not sweep anything under the rug. And all God's people say it. God is holy. God's holy character requires that sin be punished. Sin has to be punished. Sin makes us the objects of God's wrath until the penalty of sin is paid. By laying down his own life, Jesus paid the price on our behalf, satisfying God's holy demand. Romans 6.23, read it with me. For the wages of sin is... Say it with me. For the... All right, 1 John 4.10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. The word propitiation means required payment. It's basically the payment for the cost. He, there was a required sacrifice. A required sacrifice. The debt had to be paid. All right. The debt was forgiven, but it doesn't mean it was forgotten. It just means somebody else paid it for you. He's holy. He's righteous. It had to be dealt with. It had to be paid. It could not be swept under the rug. So a death had to take place. We, saw, we see pictures of it all through the Old Testament. You see sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Think about this. Think about this. Those lambs that died, those, those calves that died, it was required that their throat be cut and the blood pour out. Why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And that pouring out represented the pouring of life out of that animal. Because the wages of sin is... And every sacrifice pointed to the final sacrifice. 
every sacrifice was substitutionary till the final sacrifice, which would be Jesus Christ. Listen, they were not clubbed. They were not beaten to death. They died by shedding the blood. They were pouring out their life. They were giving their life. Now, watch this. This is, this is huge. Not only do we see a required sacrifice, sin had to be paid for. The debt had to be paid. God's holiness had to be satisfied with the debt of sin being paid. But we see a ready substitute. Not only a required sacrifice, but a ready substitute. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him, talking about Jesus, for he hath made him to be sin for who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God made him who knew no sin, who never had a foul word, who never had a wrong thought, who never done a wrong deed, who no guile was found in his mouth, who Pilate said, I find no fault in him, the perfect spot without spot or without blemish, Lamb of God, the perfect one, God took all of our sin and put it on him. But he was willing. You see, there had to be a substitute. If there was not a substitute, we would have to pay it on our own. But because he was willing... He was, the, he was the ram caught in the thicket. Instead of Isaac being sacrificed on the altar, there was a ram that took his place. And one of the greatest things that was ever said was when Isaac asked his father Abraham and said, Father, I see the knife and I see the wood and I see the fire, but where is the lamb? And the Bible says Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And let me tell you what happened on Calvary. Instead of you dying, instead of me dying, instead of us paying and you paying, God provided himself in the form of Jesus Christ. He provided a substitutionary sacrifice. He didn't just die for me. He died instead of me. Hallelujah. Boy, I feel God bumps on my nigga hog goodbye right now. Do you realize what happened when you got saved? The means of your reconciliation was a high price. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm talking about the son at his baptism where he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Amen. You see, sin had to be paid for. Couldn't be swept under the rug. There was a required sacrifice. But thank God there was a ready substitute. He was willing to take my sin and your sin. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. And oh, mercy. What a blessing. We see the means of reconciliation. Number one, what was number one? Tell me number one again. We see the the meaning of reconciliation. Number two, we see the the means of reconciliation. The means of reconciliation. How, how, How was we reconciled? Through his death. Through his death. You remember, the wages of sin is, wage means payment. Sin had to be paid for. When he died on the cross, he paid the debt. It was through the body of his, in verse 22, see, look at it right there, verse 22, in the body of his flesh through through death. He had to die. He had to die. If he hadn't have died, the debt would have never been paid. And it had to be a man, too, by the way. I mean, I don't want to beleaguer this point, but you have to understand that the cure has to be, has to be in relation to the cause. 
In other words, a man sinned, so who had to pay? A man. A man. He sinned by a tree, and Jesus hung on a tree. Listen, it's all there. It's all there. God had to... God planned on providing himself, but he had to become a man to be a man to pay the debt. That's why Jesus came and incarnated and became flesh and dwelled among us. Amen. Now, let's look at number three. Look at number three. Don't you see the measure of reconciliation? The measure of reconciliation. What does that mean? Just how reconciled are we? Just how reconciled are we? How saved are we? You know, I mean, what, what does this come to? Are we just like kind of friends? Associates? Come on, y'all don't have n- not near the imagination I have. Y'all got to get with the program. You ever wonder about this? I mean, just how tight are we with God through this reconciliation that we have? Well... Let's look what the Bible says. In verse 22, it says, In the body of his flesh through death. To, to, in other words, he did that. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to be able to do this. To present you. In other words, Jesus died on the cross. He paid the debt. He brought He brought us back in relationship with God. And now he is presenting us to God after we've been forgiven, after we've been redeemed. Y'all with me? After, After all of this has taken place. To what point? To what point? Look what it says. It says to present us. What are we now? What are we now? Now that we've been reconciled. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his. <laughs> Let me say this. If you're a child of God, I don't care how you feel about yourself. The only thing that matters is how he sees you. Because I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't always feel saved, much less like a preacher. Yeah. Especially in traffic. <laughs> I just see so many people with halos over their head. Like They ought to know, we all know that's fake. Say amen. But do you realize God sees you a certain way? In his sight, that's what it says. It means the way he sees you after you've been reconciled, he doesn't see you as what you used to be. He sees you as holy. Holy. The word holy there means whole. It means complete. It means entire. It means separate from sin, separated to God. Now, it means for God's purpose, it's holy, it's sanctified, it's set apart, it's different. It's for God's purpose and his purpose. Kind of like, like you have a cup. It's got your name on it. Nobody's supposed to mess with that cup but you. Y'all with me? Holy means you belong to him. You're separated from the world. The world no longer has you. You belong to him. And God doesn't see you as unrighteous. He doesn't see you as an enemy. He doesn't see you as sinful. He doesn't see you as wicked. He doesn't see you as evil. He sees you as holy. Don't look so shocked. I just read it. Did we not just read it? In his sight, you're holy. Not only holy, but look at that next word. This is great. This is great. Look at the next word. Write that next word up there. Not only holy, but means without blame, faultless. I put over to the side of mine, innocent. 
innocent. When you come before the court, how do you plead? I'm going to be able to say innocent, Your Honor. I'm innocent. I know you. I, I knew you back when. Does not matter. I've been reconciled. And since I've been reconciled, I am in his sight innocent. <laughs> Either some of y'all can't remember what you used to be or you're half asleep tonight. But God declared you, not just declared you, that's how he sees you right now. No matter how you feel, he sees you as holy and innocent. Blank without, with, he, he sees you as if you never sinned. He sees you as if you never failed. He sees you as you, if you've never made a mistake, you've never done anything wrong. That's how God sees you. And before you get all jacked about that, it's not your righteousness he's seeing, it's Jesus's. Because you've been covered with Jesus's righteousness. That's why that's what he sees. So before you go to patting yourself on the back, you need to put your arm down and start thinking, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because it was through Jesus that we've been reconciled. It's because of Jesus we can stand before God innocent. Say amen. This next one is the best one. It's absolutely the best one. Look at this. All right, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. All right, put innocent beside that so so y'all are on the same page. If y'all didn't, put that beside that. Unblameable means without blame, faultless, or come on, people. Say it again. Everybody at Fairview, say it with me. Fairview. They didn't pay attention. All right. Let's all say it. Innocent. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is so good. Okay, before you go, before you go to the next one. How many of y'all are prone to mistake? Okay, I'm going to ask another question. How many of y'all are liars? Okay. I want to see these hands again. How many of you are prone to making a mistake? Okay, but watch this. What's this third word? Watch this. Unreprovable. Unreprovable means unaccused, irreproachable, not able to. I put beside that. I put, I put, uh, beside the the one innocent, I put beside this one, untouchable. Do you know what that word literally means? It means the devil cannot bring a charge against you. Not one single charge. Let me show you. Let me show you. Man, y'all slow tonight. Watch Romans 8.31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us. Come on now. If God be for us, who can be against us? Watch, watch, watch. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now let's all read this sentence together. Everybody read. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. I'm not only innocent. Buddy, I'm untouchable. I've been reconciled. When Jesus sees me, or when God sees me through Jesus, I'm innocent. I'm completely pure, innocent, and untouchable. That's how reconciled I am. 
And if you're a child of God, that's how reconciled you are. Now, I, sometimes I think we, 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 there's so much surface stuff we know that we don't dig deep enough to just know how truly saved we really are. And boy, if we could ever get it, it would make us appreciate God more. It would make us love Jesus more. And it'd make us have a whole lot more peace of mind. It is such a sad thing that God's children sometimes go around biting their fingernails to the quick because they've made mistakes. And they don't feel forgiven. Listen, Paul is trying to teach us here, reconciled, apo, colosso, fully, fully, say that with me, fully reconciled. Not just reconciled, but all the way. Completely, completely. And all God's people say it. Now, let's look at the last one. We're going to get out of here early. Hey, seriously, we got tons of time on the clock. Y'all are so terrible. Remember, unblameable. I'm innocent, y'all. What was number one? What was number one? The meaning of reconciliation. Has everybody got the gist of that? It means to be made friends again. All right, does everybody understand that there was a time mankind was friends with God? They were in harmony with God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They were on good terms. This whole creation, everything, if you go back to Genesis, it says, and he made it, and it was good. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. But sin entered into the world. And death by sin, so that death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. So that created chaos. That created a hostility between God and man. Creator and creation. Not just with man. Not just with man. But also the animal kingdom. Also the universe, the earth. But God's plan is to bring everything back into reconciliation to himself. To bring back into union again. To bring back into friendship again. If you got that, say amen. Amen. That required a great price. The blood of his cross, his body, he had to die. He could not be swept under the rug. A price had to be paid. But thank God he was the willing substitute. Say amen. Amen. How reconciled are we all the way? Completely. God sees us as innocent and untouchable, impossible for the devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, by the way, to level a charge against us. And all God's people say it. Now let's look at the mark. Lastly, the mark of reconciliation. The mark of reconciliation. He says, when you're reconciled, you are holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Now watch what he says. This is huge. We need to get back to understanding this in the, in the Christian church today. What's that first word? Verse 23. If. Now a mark would be evidence, Right? The mark of a Christian. You know, what, what, what is the evidence of a Christian or, or the mark of whatever? It means what, what is proof that you are? What, what is a sign that you have been whatever? It's the evidence that's given. This is the evidence that Paul says that we'll have. If we've been reconciled, this is what's going to take place. Look what it says. Verse 23. Very important word here. If ye continue. Say that with me. If ye Continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. What is he saying? What is he saying? Uh, when I was growing up, I, I heard the word, the, the uh, perseverance of the saints. I remember uh, Brother Wooten saying that he believed in the perseverance of the saints. And what that meant is when you are saved, you're going to continue. You're going to continue. 
let's look what it says in, in, in uh, Acts chapter number 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, that means they were saved, they, they accepted the preaching, uh, the message from Peter on the day of Pentecost, they received the word, were baptized. Say, so how do you know they were saved? Because you don't baptize lost people. All right? They, those that were saved were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly. Say it with me. And they they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. What does that mean? They were not a one-hit wonder. They were not a here today and gone tomorrow. It means they stuck with it. They didn't stuck with it to get it. They stuck with it because they had it. There's a lot of false teaching that says, well, they were saved and they lost it when they walked away. No, no, that's not biblical. That's not the truth. Why? How do you know? Look what it says. 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us. In other words, they walked with us at one time, but now they're not. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have what? What's that word? If they would have truly been of us. They would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be, in other words, it would be revealed that they were not all of, what does that mean? It means this, the proof, the evidence, the mark that you have been truly reconciled is that you continue. You persevere. Now, preacher, do you believe somebody can backslide? I do. I do. I believe somebody can drop the ball. There ain't no doubt about it. Uh, uh, they can fall by the wayside, but they won't stay there. You say, how do you know that? Because God will beat the devil out of you. In staff meeting this week, we, we, our chapter we was reading was in Hebrews. It said, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. If you're without chastening, you're a bastard, not a son. That word means illegitimate. It's not a cuss word. It means illegitimate. There's a lot of people that claim to be his. They claim to be saved. They claim to be a child of God, but they can go out and live in a pattern of sin and not nothing happen, no correction, no chastening, nothing whatsoever, and satisfied to do it. Honey, you ain't saved. Because if you're a child of God and you start thinking about doing something stupid, you're going to get a whooping. He's coming after you. Because the Bible said all his sons, he does that too. Now I'm not, I, I'm not, I, I, I hear this all the time. You, you, you see the groups that believe that you can lose your salvation. You know, they'll say, well, you Baptist, you just believe you can do anything you want and it's okay. Ah, that, that, that's not, every time have I ever said that. I have said that if you're saved and you truly belong to God and you get away and you start sinning, God will beat your britches off. And he will correct you. And there's different stages of it. One is rebuke. The other is chasten. The other is scourge. Each one gets increasingly more serious more violent, if you will, to the point that if you don't return, he'll take you home. That's biblical. But guess what? If you're reconciled, you know what you're going to do? You're going to continue. You may, you, may, you may slip and fall, just like Peter did. But guess what? Peter got back up and continued. Continue. I don't, I don't believe. I don't believe in this. Come and say a prayer, and then you never see them again. And 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 when they die, well, back back thirty years ago, mm-mm. that's not evidence. Now the Bible says that kind of stuff's going to happen because it gives the illustration of the seeds and the sower. How many of y'all remember that? And and there's different seeds that fall on different soils, right? Stony ground, you know. 
uh, uh, all of these different. But the only one, the only one that represents true salvation is the one that bears fruit. It's the one that continues. And so, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. One of the marks of being truly reconciled to God is you're going to continue. The early church continued. Listen, it teaches that. He said, what, what does it say in, in 1 John? They went out from us. That means they didn't continue. But they were not of us. He said they were never reconciled to begin with. They were never saved to begin with. They were never a part of the true church to begin with. Because if they had been, they would no doubt. Did you see what he says? No doubt. They would have no doubt what? Continued with. But they went out. That they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Listen, reconciled is a big deal. It's a big deal. So much more happened to you when you got saved than you could ever imagine. And if we could just understand that when we are lost, how truly lost we are. We're not just on our way to hell. We are actual enemies to God. But when we're reconciled, we go from open hostility, opposition, enemy with God to friendship. What did Jesus say? He says, I don't call you servant. I call you friend. You know, we sing this song, the choir sings that song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Not, not saying that we're his friend, but he's our friend. And Jesus, God brought you back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise and glory?